Michigan Hockey Cast 6.9, where the biggest number of the weekend is still three. from the center of attention, but you did tease last week that we would talk about NCHC TV because we do have a history of trying to obtain different sorts of streaming services because sometimes Michigan goes to the middle of nowhere to play hockey games and it's like a guy with a cell phone and you're like, oh, please hang up your call so that we can watch the game. Working for Connor Stallion. (laughs) Uh, thanks. I, I'd forgotten about that, and now I'm remembering, Alex. Good job. So, NCHC TV, uh, not too bad a few years ago. Did you get to see any of it? I mean, even on the clips, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I from the parts that I saw, it looked uh, pretty solid. So... It's always been uh, much more professional than... Well, the, the other thing is, like, the interface when you have the app on a Roku or, or whatever you yeah. use is makes a little more sense. I mean, Big Ten Network, or B10 Plus, I should say, does that as well. It's just, I, I find their setup kind of janky. And it's the Peacock problem. Peacock yeah. has the worst interface of any. Well, and it's slow. Like, you hit the right button to go to the right, and nothing happens. And so you hit it again, Yeah. and then in three seconds it moves twice. And you're like, well, I didn't want to go over there. And it, anyway, NCHC TV was not really like that, and... The interface work, the broadcast. Now, they, I think the games were on like an actual television channel locally, which is not surprising because it's Minnesota yeah, and well, people Duluth like this ones stuff. were a few years ago, remember? Right. So that probably helps. Of course, you know, that probably is also the case with a lot of the NCHC TV or teams. So the streaming service is probably going to be just better because you're going to have better quality cameras and production value and all of that. But, um, it also helped that I, I got a new and better Roku. So maybe part of it was the fact that the Roku was an Express, which I do not recommend getting. I <laughs> would tell you to get the Ultra or whatever. Even if it's more money, it just works so much smoother. Um, anyway, I don't know. Do you use Fire Sticks or um, what's the what's the other? There's Roku, there's Amazon Fire Sticks, and then there's a there's a third option that you can get. There are too many. Do you just have a Roku? Yeah, that's for the BTM plus. What is it? Stuff. Is yours the little one or is it an actual like, it's like the, the square or is it the really small bar rectangle? Yeah. It's like the candy bar shaped one that you plug into the back. Have of you TV. ever had issues with it? Like buffering and such? Not buffering, but every so often the like remote will disconnect from it. <laughs> really? Yeah. And you only have one. It's kind of like, you just have to unplug it and plug it back in. Yeah. And then, no, I'm... And then it reboots. It's, it's kind of, that's a little weird, but. You should have sprung for the better one. I, I Now that's what I will only do. I'll just expense it from now on because I use it mostly for work anyway. Uh, anyway, all right. So we've talked about uh, NCHC TV. It's good. I, I would take it over BTN minus. Uh, it's too bad Michigan isn't in that conference. But anyway, um, do you have a good story from the game this weekend? Um... You always have good stories, and I figured that you'd have something to relate. And if you need a prompt, you did text me at halftime and be like, I'm unsure if I can watch this second half. Yeah. Can we get some insight into those feelings? 
Um, yeah, I mean, games that just are built up with incredible amounts of stress. So this has to be, you have to have a team involved. This is not, like, this wouldn't happen if you were watching, you know... Um, no, I, I don't care about, you know, neutral A Super or... Bowl where the Lions aren't playing or something. Yeah. Uh, it has to be, and even, like... I don't know. It, it tends to be when there's just like a lot of nar- narrative and hype and all that kind of stuff built up around it. And so uh, this year's game was the perfect fodder for that. Yeah. Like everyone's like, the this game is the biggest game, game. Of, all, of all time. And it's like, oh boy. So Did you believe that though? I mean, people say a lot kind of things. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it isn't as much what the result of it is, but the like uncertainty of not knowing and like when events are about to happen. And it's, you know, you're just like... Because you also said to me a couple of years ago when the Leafs played the Lightning in Game 7, you were like, I asked you what your plans were for the game. And you're like, I don't know, driving around in my car for three hours in the city? Uh, that would definitely be the countryside. But... The countryside? It wouldn't be in the city? Because no. there would be too many people? Well, city driving is just not, not as fun. So you just sort of like... You get nice and scenic. Head out to Adrian or something? Yeah. <laughs> um... But no, I mean when the after after Michigan kind of turtled and kicked the field goal. Well, that was at the end of the game. Oh, I'm six. Okay. I was like, okay, I've had enough of this. And did you turn it off? I went outside. You went outside. Yeah. Did you not watch the last drive? And I watched it on tape delay. After so you didn't know. Text, texted me the outcome. What were you? Did your head stay on your body, yeah, or did someone have to come find it and wait. replace it? I was like, well, we're probably gonna lose, so I'll go outside. And then someone will text. Me were you lines. were you following on your phone? Were you like no. GameCast? No, were you like refreshing ESPN or something? No, they just came back, uh, and then I eventually picked. And I got like I I checked my phone for the first time like right as I had gotten a text a text of like interception Michigan wins. I was like, well, that's good. So so then I went back inside and, and watched the, the <laughs> well, final that's drive. Good. At that point. What if they would have lost? Would you have felt the same? I'd have been like, well, that's what happens when, when you, you don't turtle. let your quarterback yeah. throw on third and six. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so, I agree with that. I, we, I mean, I've, I, I've seen a lot of teams in my life blow those kinds of games, and well, it used to be. Well, I, it was just like, look, if we're going to give up a touchdown because Marvin Harrison Jr. like Megatron somebody in the end zone with yeah. ten seconds left, like I don't want to watch that. Yeah, live. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. So the texting thing. Um, especially then seeing the way it went down, I'm like, this was the right decision. Cause like after the Egbuka fumble and recovery and they're already like 38 with 30 seconds yeah. left, I would have been just dead. I'm <laughs> just in your apartment. <laughs> just like, <laughs> so I was like, no, I, I, Alex, where's the recap? Someone better go check on him and <laughs> resuscitate him. Um, the texting thing. Uh, so I think it was, it was with the Wisconsin game of 2018 and I was watching Washington, Oregon, because I'm also an Oregon fan. And I was watching Washington, Oregon, and it was Oregon was bad for like two years there, two or three years. And this was like a return, like a hype game for them to finally beat Washington after losing the previous couple of games. And I could only watch the first three quarters, and then I had to go to the because the Wisconsin game that year was a night game. And so I get there, and um. All of a sudden, like I'm, I have it on my phone, and then like I'm watching, and it goes to like overtime, and or about to overtime, and then my phone just sort of like blows up, and I get like 15 texts, and I'm like, well, 
I think I know what the outcome is because I'm watching on my phone and people are watching on actual like cable and yeah. like letting, you know, so I was like kind of relieved with all of that, but it was like they Washington missed a field goal and then but yeah, I also I, had it uh like when they were discussing the Roman Wilson touchdown. Yeah. I went up and like I went and got into drink and, you know, walked around a little bit and then was just refreshing Twitter. Because I was like, I can't watch the TV and like them debate whether this is a touchdown. Did you have a very strong opinion? I was like, you know, just internally like, oh, God, they're going to overturn this. So, but, you know, and that sort yeah. of thing. So then I – because I know the stadium is going to be a minute plus ahead, then yeah. I'm just like pulling up Twitter. And then it's like call stands like, whoa. <laughs> 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 so I was watching that and I was like, how is this not a touchdown? How is this not a touchdown? And then I watched the replay and I was like – Oh, that's closer than I thought. I still thought it was a touchdown. I thought he had possession when he broke yeah, the plane. Yeah, and, and once I watched it again and again, then I'm like, yeah, I think that's a touchdown. But, but at the time, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I kind of was a little bit like that on the Moore interception. Like, I... Well, that was clearly an interception. Well, replay, but sure. But if you were in the stadium, I can understand that. But also, like, like Brian talked about this on yeah. the podcast where he's like, I can't emotionally handle that even being reviewed yeah yeah like i thankfully by the time i got back in front of the tv they were getting ready to do the kneel down so i missed that oh i see so the thing that yeah i would have been freaked out (laughs) the thing that i always wonder is like at what point in a game the way it plays out is a loss or win so close to the opposite outcome that you almost when you think about it, don't even think about it in terms of a loss or a win. Like you remember the um, the Rams Titans Super Bowl where yeah, Mike Jones one. tackles Kevin Dyson yep. and he reaches the ball out and he's literally a yard short. And yep. so the Rams win the game, but like by what percentage point? Like <laughs> a millionth of a percentage that they won that game because it's by a yard. And so it's categorized in a binary fashion of win versus loss. But like the game was so even and they were so close. That, like, the the Scott Norwood field goal. Yep. Like, I mean, the Bills, in so many ways, won that Super Bowl, except that the ball just missed by that much. And so, and that's what sort of that game felt like, is like, I'm so glad we won, but when I think about it, like, I don't think about it the way that I do in 21 or 22, where you're like, yeah, we clearly definitively destroyed this team. Well, you know, 22, just... You know, the dam broke at the end of the game. That was a different sort well, of Well, but they were always up by, like, a large oh, one-and-a-half score. They were down a lot of the first half. No, yeah, I I understand. But once you get in the second half, Ohio State did Michigan nothing. Michigan had the lead, yeah. And and, the, and Ohio State, for the most part, could drive up to the 30 or 40-yard line, but that was it. But, I, you know, I, I expected – that was my whole thing leading up to this game. It's like, this is the biggest game of all time, and I know it's coming down to one possession. Because, like, that's just how it's going to go, right? Like – well, when it was 14-3, I was like, are they going to stop here? Yeah, I'm talking more before the game. Okay. Like, and that was why I was stressed all week because I was just like, I know it's there's going to be a point at which the biggest game of all time comes down to, like, can Ohio State drive to win the game? And I will be terrified at that moment. <laughs> Would you have rather had it flipped? Would you have rather been down by six with a minute to go? Uh, yes, I think so. I don't think so. 
Well, like not in terms of win probability. I'm no, talking yeah, yeah. my mentality. But well, no, I'm just talking about what did you? What would you have liked? What would you have had more confidence in? Like Michigan driving to win a game, seventy-five yards down by six, or them stopping Marvin Harrison? I just I've been too accustomed of watching like Stafford era Lions and general NFL in that I'm a firm believer you always want the ball last. And I'm a firm believer. Yeah. And that, like, my baseline expectation is that if there's more than, like, a minute and a team just needs a touchdown, they will probably get it. Because well, it's modern football. I agree. Offenses are good. And especially when you're playing Ohio State. But I'm not talking about it in the abstract. I'm talking about it in this particular situation. And I feel like, I mean, the one thing that I would have not, that I did not like about the situation there is Will Johnson was out. And if he's in, I feel a little bit better. Because the thing that Ohio State had to do when they scored was be insanely efficient and move. They weren't getting massive chunk plays, and they did get a couple of those on that last drive, although they got insanely lucky on the last one because he fumbled it right to a guy. Yeah. But like to be efficient in that situation, I wasn't sure that they could, and that was, that was probably a little bit of what led to the decision-making. By the way, it wasn't discussed much, but no team has ever had greater fumble luck than Ohio State at Michigan Stadium. <laughs> You mean with the J.K. Dobbins The fumble? Dobbins one, there's that one. And then remember, C.J. Stroud fumbles the first snap of the game in 21 and like is right there. For he him. also, like, snap goes over his head yeah, or like how, does, how yeah. does this happen? <laughs> the other thing that I forgot to mention on the podcast um, was that after Michigan Rush came out onto the field, you know, there's a, a slight delay before Ohio State comes out on the field. And the DJ switches a song and he plays the Joker and the Thief when they come out. Now, that's like a pump-up song. And sure. teams use like that. But I was like, I think they did that on purpose. Like, I think this is an actual troll on Ohio State. Don't, yeah. I mean, yeah, doesn't that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But, which I thought, you know, 3D chess, that's pretty well played. But anyway, all right. Uh, we have opened for long enough, so we probably should get to the hockey games that supposedly people want to hear about. Um, I watched uh, good parts of the first game. Uh, you know, there were other things going on as well that evening, so um, it wasn't 100%, but I watched a lot of it. The second game, you know, it's there, but I'm, other things are going on, and, um, you know, your mindset is still sure. in a different place. But anyway, we took some good notes, give you the best we can. Uh, not that there's a whole lot to report from the first game for the first two periods, as no one really scores. Shots are pretty even through the first couple of periods as well. I, I mean... While I was watching it, I don't remember a ton of, like, insane hero saves, but, you know, Michigan kind of makes it to third period. And in some ways, like, that's not the worst thing for Michigan because, you know, what we talk about is, you know, the penalty kill kind of sucks, which is bad now, by the way. I was looking at the numbers, and they're down to, like, 73% and <laughs> bottom six in the country. Um, and then on top of that, you also have, like, the defensive breakdowns, even at five-on-five, five, where you just, you know, players that you like and trust get lost defensively and you know that didn't happen at least for well it didn't happen all game because Michigan won 2-0 but it didn't happen for the first couple periods so going in the third you kind of like well they're either going to get unlucky and you know guys just going to snipe a shot or it's going to take a bounce or you know Michigan's finishing ability at some point will come through and it was the latter in this particular case Um, TJ Hughes gets the first goal of the game about six seven minutes into the third period Um, it's a nice play from Dylan Duke in the slot he's like trying to get Winning a physical battle, trying to get the puck on net, doesn't do a great job of getting a shot off, but moves the puck out of the slot down to um, sort of off to the side below the dot where TJ Hughes is. It's 
doesn't seem to be completely intentional, but Hughes picks it up and the angle has changed for Bassey and it's he fills the open net. Did you have any thoughts on that particular goal? Uh, nothing major. That was a you know fair description. Well, and kind of the thing there is like, well, they scored. Yes, all right. And then you're kind of like, oh, here we are with a lead in the third. <laughs> and then it's like, well, uh, this is, you know, just you're kind of waiting for the guillotine to fall. But it's just getting, you know, throwing pucks on net and having the, the bounces that come with them getting blocked in front. Ten minutes later, though, Michigan doubles their lead, and all but in this case, I should, I'm going to say ice is the game, but that's probably not the case given the first couple months of the season. Um, Frank Nazer does a really good job of forcing a defensive zone turnover. He's kind of skating back up from the goal line and tracks down a puck that was possessed by some Huskies, Cloudies, the clouds, and turns it over. Doesn't get full control, but it comes back down to Gareth Shifsky, who makes a nice little move and flips a backhander up under the bar. That was uh, a, you know, Shifsky's played really well for his eighth goal of the year. And they're like all five on five goals. Yeah, they're all, I mean, they're kind of like in the TJ Hughes areas though, right? Like he's not sniping shots. He's getting into kind of the slot house, low house area and overwhelming goalies and but this one was like uh one of the more skilled goals I've seen in a while from a Michigan player I mean that you think of the Nazer one where he's kind of being dragged down and still like kind of uses one and a half arms to flip the puck into the open net but this was like I mean a backhand flip over a goalie under the bar I love that kind of thing it's very pleasing you know just aesthetic just aesthetically yeah and that puts the game away Michigan deals with the remaining three and a half minutes and sees it out. And you're kind of like, not only did they not blow a lead, but they obtained a third period lead, hung on to it, slammed the door. And, you know, my impressions are that St. Cloud isn't great after watching them. They don't have a ton of individual skill. I mean, there's some that comes to light in the second game. Uh, but, but they've played pretty well this year. They've played better as of late. You're right. And that was a nice win. And we said, you know, last week, it would be nice if Michigan could at least get one at St. Cloud and try to get one at Notre Dame. And, you know, then you get to the break and hopefully you get some good injury news and refill your ranks a little bit. But um, 2 nothing. Um, that It's actually Michigan's first shutout since ending Michigan State's season early in March of 22. <laughs> so <laughs> they did not have a shutout, apparently. All of last year, or for the, fir- the first half of this year, which includes uh, four games against Lindenwood. Will they get a shutout against Stonehill? Go. Uh, yes. They will? Yep. You think so? Okay. Well, I'm glad to have you on record for that. 27 saves for Barczewski. Pretty good. Um, I didn't see, you know, the highlight reel of A-plus after A-plus, but he kept them all out and gave a, a pretty good performance when Michigan needed it. Yep. Um, the power plays were silent. For both teams, Michigan was 0 of 5 and St. Cloud State was 0 of 3. So Michigan didn't take a lot of penalties. That was a good sign. It would have been nice to get a power play goal. You know, that is the one thing that I think has mostly kept them afloat uh, from an offensive standpoint is, you know, they still have a, a ton of skill that they can put on the power play. And I think they have the second best power play percentage in the country. Duluth, I believe, is literally at about a third and they're about a point behind them at 32 plus which is very good. They will need that, I think, this weekend against Notre Dame. So, stayed out of the box. We're fine on special teams. 
got those two five-on-fives. Corsi was pretty even, 52-52. Shots were 30-27 to in favor of St. Cloud. My guess is that that ticked up to St. Cloud's favor late in the third period because of getting desperate and needing to tie the game. Um, did you have anything else that you saw in your prep for game one? No, not really. I mean, I, you know, I just didn't get to see a, a ton of the Friday game at all, so I have too much to add. All right. We can slide right into game two. Um, huh, well, I, even if you didn't see this game, you've seen this game. <laughs> and um, to top it off, so Michigan, what, I guess technically it's a tie, 3-3. Three, yep. three. So a win and a tie, not the worst weekend. Uh, they were up 3 nothing in the mid to late third period. Um, not great. And then they do lose a meaningless shootout, which I know is relevant to all of our listeners and specifically to you, Alex. <laughs> you love those. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing of note is it just, it, it happened again. And, you know, this time it was a three goal lead, which is even worse. Now, you know, there's probably about, I think St. Cloud, well, we'll go through the first goals that they score. So Tyler Duke gets his first goal as a Wolverine, a shot from the point, um, kind of sneaks through. There's a lot of bodies in front and it goes in. I guess it does not hit a Michigan player at all. I, I couldn't tell if it hit a St. Cloud player or the goalie. Um, did not really have a zoomed in or ice level view of this. It's mostly just a top view of a, a shot. Looked like it went off the far post and then... Well, I mean, that's a, that's a nice shot or at least a seeing eye shot. Um, Moldenauer and Point get assists. Not a whole lot to say about that goal, but it, good for Tyler Duke to get on the board. Yep. And then another defenseman scores in a goal that I don't believe I've ever seen before given trajectories and the theory of the goal I have, the way that this particular goal went in. Um, it took me about five times watching it to figure out exactly what happened, but I, I opened up the score. You know, I, I saw that they scored when we were watching it. Didn't see a replay because you have a streaming service. So I open up the box score, start digging around, looking for the video, and it says Jacob Truscott, and there are no assists. So, wow, okay, Jacob Truscott has an unassisted goal. I wonder if this was like a turnover in the zone. So, you know, there's a chance from the slot. I think it was Moldenauer. It takes a shot, gets redirected back out, and Truscott ends up with it in at the point. He fires a shot. I don't know if it gets through to the goalie or not. I can't really tell. It looks like it's probably blocked by the defenseman. But one defenseman in the slot then has it, and he kind of takes a step and is going to clear it, fires the puck. It hits apparently one of the forwards, who's about, what, five to ten feet in front of him, yep. somewhere. The puck then bounces straight up in the air and starts arcing back towards the defenseman and the goalie, who's, you know, the defenseman is just outside the crease in the low slot. And a little bit of time goes off the clock. It's not, no one really seems to know where the puck is. And all of a sudden, it falls down behind Bassey, the St. Cloud goalie, in the crease and just drops like over his back inside the bar and into the net on like, it's, it basically felt like if you've ever gone outside and punted a football, but you didn't put the ball out far enough and you hooked your toe around the end of the ball that you're punting and you kick it back over your head. Like, that's sort of what the trajectory of watching this felt like, is you take a shot, it hits something, and goes up in the air, and then lands behind you. Yeah, that one was a, a weird one, because there are a number of goals that have kind of gone up in the air and come down and bounced off the goalie's back and in. 
those are not necessarily uncommon, but definitely uh, a unique one to see uh, it get in that position after being an attempted clear. Like, yeah, usually it's like, like off the boards behind the goalie. Yeah, I mean, that that one is very unusual, but this is hockey. I've seen those kinds of things, you know, over the years. Um, I've never weird, seen weird. this particular this thing. This one was a, was a pretty unique one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So Truscott, and, and it's like 30 seconds before the end of the first period. So Michigan takes a 2-0 lead into the first intermission off of probably the goofiest bounce I've seen in, in well, I mean, you know, Shivsky had that goal against Penn State too. Combined, so like... 0.06 xg for the two goals <laughs> between those two <laughs> that's pretty funny um and michigan then adds a third one as we alluded to earlier this is a maybe maybe the best pass of tj hughes career yeah um, this is a really nice pass he's in the corner on the red line and has a backhanded pass and it's not really like a slow slogging pass he whips it pretty hard which is difficult for a long backhanded pass to dylan duke who is you know, alone basically in front on the power play and gets a couple whacks and eventually it goes past Bassey and, you know, you're little, you know, about a little under seven minutes to go in the second period. So you're preaching, the, reaching the end of the second period up three, zero, got a power play goal, got a really lucky goal, got a shoot, a seeing eye goal, and you're feeling pretty good. A situation Michigan's been in, I don't know, 10 times already this year. That uh, goal was atrocious coverage on the penalty kill by St. Cloud. I mean, yeah. Three guys high, one guy in the corner, no one anywhere close to that. One guy in the that. corner and three guys up at the line. Yeah, no one even, I mean, Duke's all alone in front in yeah. the penalty kill. Like, what is going on? I mean, what? Have you ever seen that before from any team that you've watched hockey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's when it kind of all starts to go to hell as um, the Meetenin. Is that how you pronounce his name? Mietenins. Mietenins, Werner, and Viti. Yeah. Um, on another power play, Michigan has another power play, two minutes later. And um, a bad turnover, I think, in this situation by Hughes along the boards that leads to sort of a two-on-two two the other way. It looked like Michigan poorly gapped it. Wait, yeah. Um, now, you know, you have a, a power play unit on the ice, so it's not going to be your shutdown defenseman, but... Definitely didn't play it well. One curls behind the other, and a shot goes under the bar from inside Casey, the house. Casey takes the front guy, but Moldenauer just kind of stands there and does nothing. In the slot. Yeah. And, yeah. And this shot was basically just under the yeah, bar. I mean, they, they let a guy walk in and rip it with no <laughs> no real resistance, which is not great when it's a two-on-two. So. And, you know, this is one of those that I think they had to review because it looked like it hit the bar, but it actually hit. <laughs> in the net and came careening out like it hit the bar. It's three to one, end of the second. You're still feeling like, well, in the normal hockey world, you're feeling pretty good. In the Michigan hockey world, you're waiting for the axe to fall. And um, the next goal Michigan gives up is right at the start of the third period, a power play goal. This is a uh, baseball goal from Kyler Kupka, yep. who whacks it in. Uh, so another adding to the goofiness of this entire game, I guess, um, pretty much saw it all on Saturday night, made it three to two. And now you're just like, well, there's only one way this ends. And, um, the first thing that happens though, before St. Cloud ties it is, you know, a little over 15 to go, they get a five minute major and Michigan has a chance now with probably, you know, one of the most devastating units. Well, the most devastating unit on the team, one of the best units in the country, the Michigan power play 
they can pile on goals if they're able. And if they get one, I feel like this game is probably over because, you know, St. Cloud has not shown a lot of scoring prowess. They did not score on Friday. It took a massive breakdown on the power play to give up that shorthander. And then you get a baseball goal. I mean, they're not, they're just not scoring hockey goals. They're getting kind of goofy random goals. And that's the only way that they've scored. So if you can get one on a five minute major, which, you know, you should, you should, if not more, especially when you have a dangerous unit. Um, but they just, they can't finish that. And it comes back to get them. Yep. I mean, it was a, it, it didn't just not score. It was a bad. Yeah. Five minute penalty. It wasn't like Bassey's like making heroes. No, I mean, they got very few chances. Yeah. And then Kyler Kupka again ties the game with nine seconds to go, of course. Not a minute to go, not two minutes to go. Right at the very end, Michigan's almost out of it. But it's a lot of standing around. It, there's a scrum in front, and the puck gets kind of lost, and you get a couple shots. But not a lot of skates moving, not a lot of you know bodies checked, and just kind of holding on, it felt like, for dear life. Yep. And the puck just gets poked in, and it's 3-3. Three to three And um, I don't know, man. I'm just... Uh, I kind of need a break from this. <laughs> it's just, it feels like every weekend we get one of these in one way or another. Yep. I mean, this, this weekend was a lot of similarities to the UMass weekend, right? Like yeah, you win the first game and then you have a lead in the third period of the second game and then you just collapse. Just, just collapse is, is exactly right. Now you mentioned um, in prep that you wanted to walk us through all of the shootout um, attempts. Do you want to do that? I was not following the <laughs> attempts here. To the surprise of no one who's listened to the hockey cast previously, um, I guess St. Cloud scored in it, but it doesn't count for anything because once you reach the end of overtime in a non-conference game, that's it. That's it. So winning a tie in the end is not the worst. Um, no, and I mean, you have a short-handed roster, you're on the road. I, in the abstract, it's not bad, but this is the same thing. It's, it's just when you have a 3-0 lead in yeah. the late second period, and you're the better team, it's just, it's gotten to be unacceptable. Um, yep. Corsi for this game was 63, or even strength Corsi, was 63-45 in favor of St. Cloud. Um, the power plays were pretty even. Michigan was 1-3, St. Cloud 1-4. You know, those kind of, you know, that's about what Michigan does on their power play. It's about what they give up on the penalty kill. Um, you know, the weekend overall, pretty good for Michigan on the on the, on the the kill. They go one of seven, or they give up, they kill six of seven, I think. Um, that's fine. Yep. I will take that. You know, it would have been nice to get another couple of power play goals, because that's what they do a little bit better. They go one of eight, which is, you know, not quite as good. Um, but... You know, they, they scored some even strength ones and gave themselves a chance and then just didn't finish it. Uh, I So I I'd, honestly, like I wrote this down for the last point. I just, I don't have any takeaways anymore. Like I, this team is ravaged by injury. That is completely legitimate. Part of it is, you know, we talked about they only had 14 forwards on the roster and you take a few guys get hit and now you're in a bad spot and they are. Um, and a couple of those guys were players that were going to be uh, legitimate contributors. I don't think anything that can really happen uh, in these final few weeks of the first half are going to change anything in terms of what we're looking at. I think we go into this weekend saying that we you know, need to get at least one win and continue to tread water, and then you get a month. I you mean, you really, really get, get <laughs> six, seven weeks because you have the Stonehill series. They really don't play a legitimate team until 
I think it's January 20th, 19th, 20th. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a long period to then kind of refresh and then. And I don't know we'll what. We'll see what they're made of at that point. I don't know. I mean, it's been reported that Hallam's done. Yep. Uh, I don't know what. McGrady's timeline is like, or stop his timeline. I didn't. Nerado said that uh, Rutger has is is going to be out for the rest of the first half, but which was pretty obvious. Yeah, it was unclear about whether he would play at the World Juniors. So, really? Yeah, that's what his quote was last week. So, well, that's encouraging. Yeah, that to me says that he should be back at some point in the second half. Yeah, and hopefully. Just from a body standpoint, it would be nice if Estapa could as well. I, I know, you know, he was on crutches, so I assume that's definitely a lower body injury, presumably a knee given the big brace that I saw. But um, getting those guys back would be nice. The other thing that, you know, we just have to reiterate again is that, you know, the team just still does the same dumb stuff. They still fall asleep. They still give up these goofy goals that are not goofy in the sense of like pucks careening off defensemen, but just they stop checking a guy. They leave guys alone in the slot. They, When you're in the portion of a game where defense matters more now because you've done your job from an offensive standpoint to get the lead and you're in the shutdown part of the game, they just they just don't execute their fundamental assignments yep. enough times. Nope. Not saying every single time, but like they get burned because a guy just doesn't do it. And it's just repeated. And... I don't know when that comes back to talk about coaching staff stuff. I don't know where the line is between that and between, you know, we just have X number of defense and we trust in the defensive zone. Guys that struggle in those areas, um, I don't think it's effort it's all the time. Um, it just kind of keeps happening. And I don't know what you believe about the can't close or, you know, clutch or all those sorts of theories about, like, making plays when they count. You know, there's obviously different ideas out there about it, but it just seems that whatever the case is, Michigan is not executed <laughs> when they needed to this this half of the season. And I would tell you that had they closed out all the games that they had a one or two goal lead in the third period, they would be something like, you know, 12 and two or something along those lines, whatever it is. I, I don't know all the numbers, how many games they played, like 18 or something. So it'd be like, they'd probably be somewhere around, you know, 16 two and one or, you know, something. So it's not like they're bad in the sense that they're getting rocked out of games. There's one game, I think, that they never really were tied or held a lead late. Um, but they just, I don't think it's luck because I think they do things poorly and give it away. But they it feels it's, like it's they've lost. a combination of luck. A lot in, of points. In their head. And then also that they just, uh, they're not a good enough a defensive team to put a lot of these yeah, games on. Ice. That's probably they don't true. have a good enough like goalie to bail them out from those situations and Yeah. Yep. That's that's pretty much it. Alright, we're gonna take a break and come back and talk about other hockey games and other hockey teams. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight it's 248 and 924 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com
we have talked about two Michigan hockey games. Let's look at some of our old friends. Where are we starting first? Augustana. Uh, they played a home-and-home home with Nebraska-Omaha, which I found to be interesting because those places don't seem to be super close. I've been to Omaha. I've been to Sioux Falls. They're probably about... They're not like far. Mm, no, but they're probably three hours, though. That's a little ways. I guess it's not as far as I thought, but no, they're three states that. apart. That's... Not really. Nebraska borders South Dakota. Oh, I guess it does. But you have to go to Iowa to go up 29. So that's where you could take the back road. There's a way <laughs> that to, probably goes quicker. There's a way to get there. That like, what if you took a paddle wheel boat if you're with up Woody the Missouri Hayes and you refer, you know, you refuse to like stay in South Dakota yeah, or whatever. I think or they should in Iowa, right? You're just like, I will only go from Nebraska to South Dakota. <laughs> I will not step foot in Iowa. So if you took, there's a way to get, if there. you took the paddle wheel boat up the, up the Missouri, would that be entering Iowa? Uh, I you, think hockey teams you have should to stay on one side of it. <laughs> just like hug the shore. Yeah. <laughs> I think that te- more teams that travel for hockey should take boats. That's that's a good take. Yeah. 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 All right. So they play Omaha uh in Omaha and lose Augustana plays Omaha and loses 2 to 1 and then they lose 5 to 2. So Didn't go too well for them. No, it would have been nice. I would like to see them grab one there, but um not to be Providence uh, goes to the desert and loses to the Ice Devils four to three in overtime, and then they win two to one. So they play a couple of tight games with the Ice Devils. That's the, have we decided what we think Arizona State is? They they might be better than we thought. Well, you thought originally they weren't going to be good; that they had fallen apart. But then they well they gave her in overtime with Stonehill, and then since <laughs> that's, then that's bad. They uh, have split with both Denver and Providence. So. Yeah, I mean that's those are two as good a wins you're gonna get. It's I mean this year, right? I mean those teams are yeah right up there for for seeding. I know we're not supposed to look at pairwise. The next hockey cast we can look at pairwise. No, 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 no two hockey two casts. Yeah, because we'll have one next week. Oh well, uh, UMass plays once, which I found interesting. They beat Harvard six to five in a barn burner shootout. Uh, Harvard is not. The team that they were the last couple of years? They lost a lot of players. Yeah, so there's um there's some rebounding going on there. But a nice win for UMass. Yeah, 9-3-1. and one. Can't really argue with that. Man, I wonder how many of those were holding third-period leads. Um, Our old friend Lindenwood had... Now, this is a measuring stick series because they played Penn State. So, you know, Penn State plays Michigan, and now they both play Lindenwood. And Michigan puts up, I think it was, what, 19-2 to aggregate? Against Lindenwood, yeah, or was it three? Sounds right. I think it was two. So they lose. Lindenwood loses to Penn State nine to three, and then seven to one. So sixteen to four. I mean, they gave up four goals to Lindenwood. I think Penn State sucks. I don't think they're very good. <laughs> I was actually joking, and you like jumped right on it with me. I, I appreciate that one. That's uh, yeah, they're probably not that good. No, they're they're okay, but they're they're just a worse version of who they've always been. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, obviously St. Cloud, this was their week to play Michigan, so we don't have to talk about them. And then your favorite team to talk about, the Stonehill Rolling Stones. They lost to Union 5-2 to two, and then also 4-0, to zero, but they did score two goals. They are now 0-14 on the season. Is there anyone that they have a shot at beating before they play us? Um, They play Brown, Clarkson, Merrimack. And Robert Morris twice. Brown, aren't they normally like at the Brown's very usually bottom? Of really bad. Pairwise? I mean, Clarkson, I think, is not bad. And then 
who is the other one before Merrimack? Merrimack. Good. Merrimack's better, yeah. Robert Morris. Rob, they could beat. Their program has come back to life and not been very good. So Bobby Moe from uh, uh, Noah West's former school. Yes. I mean, look, they have two one-goal games this entire season. It was both Arizona State. Where were those games? In uh, Tempe. Really? It's the only place That's... Stonehill can show signs of life. <laughs> I wonder if they will like ask Michigan if they can move those games to like Nevada or New Mexico or something and just try to play there. Shot attempts against Union, 62-24 and 59-43. That's course. That's the course. Even yeah. course. Yeah, the whole game. Yeah. Oh, so total. All situation. Okay. Well, that's. Uh, it's not close. Um. I, I mean, I guess <laughs> we're gonna have to. I mean, that's Michigan's not next opponent, but their second next opponent in the hole. I guess not on deck. They're in the hole. Yep. Um. I. That's gonna be something. I don't I know guess. what else to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am out to that too. Um. Uh, Ohio State. Uh, they lost to Michigan for the third year in a row. Um, sucks for them. Does Ohio? Does Ryan Day have to move out of Columbus like Herbie now? Like even if he keeps the job, does he have to like live in Cincinnati or in Kentucky or something? Uh, maybe. What I'll say are about you, are this, you undecided? Yeah, I, I, depends on how hostile the ground is right now. I know the the people online are, but I don't know how like, that might not be. Person, is. it might just be the bots or something. Yeah, this Ohio State team, they're 5-5-3 five, five, and three now. Oh, we're on to the hockey portion. Well, they won two. They beat Princeton. Yeah. 6-3 and 4-3? 4-3, uh, that's not a great indicator. Princeton's, well, they were okay, what, a year or two ago? Have they... It's all relative. ...gone back down to Stonehill? Yeah, I mean, like, this Ohio State team, they're getting sub-900 goaltending, and they've scored 34 goals in 13 games. Uh, That's less than three goals. Yeah, way under three goals a game. Not good. Nope. Um, do you have any other notes on Ohio State, or should we move on to... No, I mean, it. just looking back, it was not good to not get a sweep in that series. Uh, Wisconsin uh, somehow lost to AA. Did they fall off the wagon? I mean, I, I guess it is Wisconsin. Well, is anyone actually on a wagon in Wisconsin? We have some unfortunate news, which is that Alaska Anchorage has as many regulation Big Ten wins as Michigan this season. <laughs> They have be- they have won in Madison, something Michigan couldn't do, and they won in Hockey Valley, I believe. Uh, unless they made Penn State come to them, but I, I highly yeah, doubt no, Penn it, State it is in- going to <laughs> Anchorage. I mean, maybe, but I I do not think that's happening. And then they did win the second game. It was five a five zero, yeah, yeah so which is what you expect. They, they were clearly the better team. Is that the, the worst weekend. loss of the season, though? One of the worst. It's, I mean, the thing is that shot attempts were seventy-seven forty-one. So Wisconsin caved him in both nights, and they got goalie one night. Yeah, but like you, still not a loss you want to have. A bad on. team can't goalie you when you get seventy-seven <laughs> shot attempts. Like that's like the puck is never gets out of the zone. How do you defend? How like that's I, were there a million power plays? I, I that just is absolutely I. You have a probably not a very good goalie and a not a very good team. You control the puck the whole time. You control shots the whole time. We're not talking about like getting goalied by a team in the tournament or something that actually like has a semblance of a good senior team that just isn't as good as the team they're playing. This is one of the worst outfits in college hockey. Yeah, the Anchorage Anchorage took five penalties, it appears. So <laughs> So they have five power plays? 
Yeah. <sighs> it lists six, but the sixth one is listed at 20 minutes of the third Oh, period. like after. So, like, after the whistle is my guess on yeah. that one. Also, by the way, face-offs were 34 to 8, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> so they literally always had the puck. <laughs> that's that's insane. Um, they, uh, Jared Whale saved 41 of 41. Just had to get that name on the podcast. Maybe he's like as big as that Florida defensive tackle. <laughs> the guy's like four hundred pounds, six five, four forty, or yeah. whatever he is. And he just like they they wedge him on into the bars and or between the <laughs> posts and shots. Just he just envelops pucks at the end of the game. They just fall out of him. How realistic is that? Seemingly more realistic than Anchorage winning that game. <laughs> well played. All right, so then we have our one Big Ten series. Uh, you know, let's just do Notre Dame first before we get in that. Notre Dame um, got blasted by BC, 6-1. to BC is starting to look nasty. Yeah, um, I talked to my Notre Dame friend, and he goes, uh, they have a really good top line. Yep. And they're all freshmen, and yep. they all play together, and they were really good. And I yep. looked at the box score, and they had, like, I think that line had three goals or something. Well, that was the highest scoring line in U.S. NTDP history, and well, they got all three of them. That's... Wow, and that's they still have good. Cutter Gauthier, who was a first round pick the previous year. So, well, and they, they what they they dump trucked Michigan State once or twice. Yep, beat them, I think, and I think ran them over another time. Um, and they're getting nine thirty one goaltending from a true freshman. So, well, that's uh, really good yep. from what my math skills tell me. Um, Notre Dame. That's the only game Notre Dame played. They lost, I believe, well, that was at home in South Bend. Yes, and they just got run over. Um, and then Minnesota and Michigan State played uh, probably one of the bigger series so far this year. Um, Minnesota lost to Michigan State in a shootout, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, they blew three one-goal leads, um, took the lead and gave it up, took the lead, gave up, took the lead, gave it up, played overtime, and then Michigan State scored, I think, the only goal in a shootout. So they got an extra point, 2-1. to one. Um, And then the biggest note that, um, I have to say about this series is they did not play on Saturday. They played on Sunday. Yep. They played Friday and they played Sunday. They did not play Saturday when Mich- when Minnesota had senior day because they hosted Wisconsin in football and they were they smart did enough. They play on Friday when uh, Michigan State was playing at Ford Field. Well, that's <laughs> maybe a troll to Michigan State, although you might say that Michigan State wanted people to not watch their football team after scheduling that game away from home. Um, but it's just another thing where, you know, there are some people in the world that are figuring this stuff out. And I'm going to beat this to death until Ward Manuel does, or whomever his minion is that runs these things. Um, so they did not play Saturday, and they played Sunday, and Minnesota won in overtime in that game, 6-5, to five, a very different kind of game. Yeah, they were um, up... 5-3 with five minutes to go. And they, Minnesota? Yeah, and they blew the lead. So this was Michigan-Michigan State are we talking about, or Minnesota-Michigan yeah. State? Joey Larson tied it with 18 seconds left in the game. I mean, look. Why I, ever have leads? Like, what's the point? Uh, Michigan State, they are sort of the, you know, the team of destiny of sorts at the moment. Well, so far they have been. I don't know, um, you know, what their the rest of the year will look like. Uh, they're pretty much in control I believe of the divi- of the standings right now, um, you know. And I was kind of looking at them. We can we can do this before we talk about Notre Dame a little bit. But I was glancing through the the standings, and and Michigan State is is clearly out in front. They have 19 points on after playing eight games. Um, they are seven points ahead of Wisconsin and Notre Dame, who are at 12. 
Minnesota's played eight games and has 10 points. Michigan's played eight games and has nine points. Then Penn State and Ohio State are below that. They've only played six games. Uh, you know, if Michigan can, you know, get four to five points this weekend, you know, six would be great. If they got a sweep this weekend, they would be back in the race for, you know, potentially the three seed or two seed. You know, it's going to take a lot for them now to catch Michigan State. I think, you know, they're nine points back, obviously, or eight, 10 points back. They obviously have four games against them. So, you know, yep. you win those games and it starts to go in your favor. So they're not like completely out of the Big Ten race because they do control their own destiny and they do host Wisconsin. So there is some leverage there. Um, but right now, Michigan State is pretty much in control of the Big Ten. Yeah, Wisconsin's not that far behind. Um, no, but Michigan State went to Madison, right, and won twice. Uh, no, that was at Munn, but oh, was it Munn? Yep. Oh, okay, so they still have to go to to Madison. And well, Wisconsin's only played Michigan, MSU, and Minnesota. Yeah. So they've got eight That's games true. left with Ohio State and Penn State. So yeah, I think I think Wisconsin's very much alive in that race. Okay. All right, but there's a, a bit of a drop after that. Oh, of course, Notre Dame's only played. Six games as well. Uh, it'll be interesting this weekend. Um, let's talk about Notre Dame. We, um, I took some notes there. This is the same Notre Dame team. I did not of write down. Years. I did not write down where they are in pairwise. Are you happy and <laughs> proud of me? You happy for uh, me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I need your approval, Alex. And they are thirty fourth in Corsi, which is pretty typical Notre Dame. Yep. 18% on the power play, also Notre Dame, that's about what they do, and 88 on the penalty kill. They're above average to really good on special teams. Nine drafted skaters, uh, one second-round guy, two third-rounds, and then a bunch of depth-drafted guys. Um, they really only have two guys that are scoring uh, at any sort of rate, over 0.75 points per game. Slaggart, Landon Slaggart, they're still a Slaggart, uh, is at like one point per game. And they're getting really good goaltending. Two three seven isn't great of a GAA for Ryan Bischel, but his save percentage is nine two eight, which is pretty good. Yeah, this is just what they've been over the past couple of years: eight percent shooting percentage, but nine twenty four team goaltending. So that will so about help to make up about for one it. right. Yeah, Slagert scores all their goals on thirty one percent shooting. He's shooting thirty one percent. Yep, <laughs> approaching the. Georgie Merkulov line from a few years ago. Oh, my gosh. Um, nobody else has more than four goals. He has ten goals. Bavaro has four. And then they have, what, three guys that have three? Which they still have. Oh, and they have. So Landon Slaggart is the older Slaggart. There is a Carter Slaggart who is the younger brother. They also have Cole Knubel. Is that yes. the Michigan relation? Yes. He has two points in 14 games. They have Plural Janikis, to the surprise of no one. Yeah, this is who Notre Dame has been in recent years. They are not a very high-scoring team anymore. They control play less than they even less than they used to, but they can still penalty kill, and they still have a really good goalie. Michigan is going to need to figure out a way to keep pucks out of their net this weekend, and that's been a problem a lot of this season. So we'll see Which is, oh. if it turns around. The good news is it is in South Bend. <laughs> not at Yoast. Always does well in South Bend, and then always gets blasted at Yoast. Well, they don't get blasted; they just emotionally. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Getting swept every year in your home building is, is, is an emotional blasting. Yeah, that's the definition of it. <laughs> 
Noah Webster. Especially because it's always like senior weekend. Yeah. For some reason. Stop doing this. <laughs> Stop murdering Bring us. Notre Dame to Yoast on Christmas Day and uh, December 26th. When, when no everyone fans else is- are allowed to be in the building or watch. <laughs> Don't put it on TV. We won't know. No that radio it, coverage. We won't know that it happened. Don't even have a game tracker. Just update the standings <laughs> after the game. We already know what's going to happen. Just simulate it. Yeah, but it is in South Bend, like you said. I believe both games um, are on Peacock. Uh, I will be writing about and watching the Friday game. Let me get a time for you on that. It should be. Friday night at 7.30. Yep, and that's going to be coinciding with another busy weekend in uh, college football. Saturday is at 6 o'clock Eastern. Did we confirm these are on Peacock? Uh, They always are. Let me look at the schedule. Yeah, they usually are when they're... I mean, Notre Dame usually plays on Peacock when they're at home because of the NBC thing, and then they usually draw like a btn plus or a whatever i'm sorry i don't want to confuse you btn minus yeah both are on peacock so seven thirty on friday the six o'clock time on saturday isn't crazy no because that, that game will probably it in between uh michigan basketball and michigan football gosh i forgot so you're gonna go from michigan basketball at 3 30 to like roughly 5 30 hockey from 6 to 820 yeah, and, and then, then kickoff for the Big 10 championship game will be roughly 915 <laughs> and we'll probably get out of the stadium somewhere around 145 for so Gus Johnson can go on and on about how it's tragic that Maserati Marv didn't get to play in Indianapolis until he's drafted by the Colts is that accurate pretty much it's <laughs> going to be another busy weekend and then Football will slow down for a month, and we won't have any hockey to watch. And then you and I will take naps. Cast 6.9 for Alex Dre and David Nasternak. Next week, we will also be discussing games we only partially watched because every game always conflicts with some football. 